So um, this last year, I don't know, it's been a while since we have been here or Travis has been here. Um, so for those of you who don't know, when we first got appointed in 2015, we were actually appointed with some of our very best friends. And in 2019, they came back to become associate pastors. And basically since then, we've been praying for more help. Um, so this last year, we were fortunate enough to have four volunteers on hand all summer. And, uh, oh shoot, I lost my place. So on the left, we have a young couple. That's Michaela and Justice Morgan from Spokane, Washington. And then on the right side, we have two individuals. Ken Finley is um, up on the top right. He is from Oklahoma. And then on the bottom right, we have Crystal Fellows from Ottumwa, Iowa. Um, they all worked so hard this year. It was crazy. It was wonderful to be able to pass some of our duties off to them and trust that it was going to get done and, and be confident in their ability to do so. So we were so thankful in 2022 to have so much help on hand. You know, when God blesses you, he doesn't ever just give you a little bit. He blesses you more and abundantly than what you could ever imagine. And so when we were praying uh, for the last couple of years, like, Lord, we need help, we need help, we need help. And it's like, boom, all of a sudden he just throws so many at it. It's like hard to keep track. We, we actually had more volunteers than even this. Uh, we had a few people that came with SGL, with Mike and Pam. There was five of them that came with them. And then we actually had some other volunteers that came down like at two weeks at a time. And so uh, God is doing some amazing things. And we were just so thankful that uh, he would bring these wonderful people down there to help us. So for those of you who come to Mexico and you know anything about me, my favorite part and the one thing I will never apologize for is building homes in Mexico. It, I love it. It's the, my most favorite thing to do. It pumps me up. Uh, since 2015, 2016, since Heather and I have been down there, we have built over or helped churches like you guys come down and build over 85 houses. And so that is amazing. Uh, you know, when... When we were preparing for this, I, we had to go back through all the years and start adding them up. And I was like, God, how cool is that? 85 different families have had their generations changed because of this. Um, you know, building homes in Tijuana is by far the best thing that we do for long-term generation-changing effects. Because now these families can quit worrying about you know, where they're living, the house, the con condition of it. And they can start worrying about health care. They can start worrying about the food, the schooling, because that's how you get your children out of poverty is by education. And so now the money that they were putting away to build a house, they can take that money and put it toward their kids' schooling. And so that is just an amazing thing about building homes. You can go to the next. Uh, like I said, there's been 85 different teams that come down over the years, lots and lots of people. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, for me, the process doesn't just start when you guys arrive in Mexico. For me, it starts months and months before you guys come. So when we go back in November, when we finally get done itinerating, we get back into Mexico, I instantly have to start choosing families that we're going to be building for in 2023. I don't have any of them chosen yet. But that, for me, is when the process starts, is when we get the, the word out to the local pastors. So we work with about four or five different local pastors in Tijuana. And that's how we get the names of the families that we're going to build for. So they give us people in their congregations that are actively working within the church. 
who are actively a part of either the youth program, the worship service, people who need help. And so they give us those names, and then we're able to go and visit them one by one, and we try to filter out, you know, who's in the greatest need. And those are the people that we start with. And the other ones we just keep on the list for maybe next year or we try to get churches to partner with them. This is also probably one of the most difficult parts of my job is inevitably we always receive more families than we have churches. And so trying to figure out, okay, who is in the greatest need? What is the greatest needs here? Uh, that can sometimes weigh on us, you know. So we'll go back, Marcel and I will go back and we'll, and we'll discuss it and we'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And uh, we, we like to partner the families that are closest with the churches because each church has their own makeup, you know, just like a person has their own characters. Um, and so we want to partner you guys with, with a family, and I thought the family we guys partnered with last year was a perfect family for you guys. And God knew what he was going to do, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a, in a second. But... Um, one of the families that I love to build for the most is the ones that you go, you learn about their family, you learn about their children, and before you leave, they make a comment that goes something like this. Thank you for coming and visiting us, but we understand there might be somebody who's in more need than us, and if you find that, please build a house for them. And it's crazy how many times, even though they're in such poverty and they have nothing, they still are humble. They're still understanding that there's, there's probably people out there that are in worse conditions than even they are in. And, and the fact that they do that, it's just, it boggles my mind. Because so many times we focus upon our own needs. And we don't think about the people that are right next to us that are in greater need than we are. You go to the next slide. Uh, this is one of the families that we built for this year, 2022. I, I threw this in here because, you know, when we give a house, we give it with no strings attached. And uh, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. And so this is a prime example of that. This was a, a good family that we built for the beginning of the year. We went back and visited them a few months later, and they had already added this retaining wall and these stairs. To be, when we built this, it was, it was kind of a tough build. Uh, right from where the door was, it was a steep incline or decline there. And so building that house was kind of difficult. But to go back a few months later and to see that they have taken ownership in their house and now they're doing things uh, I can't tell you how many times you go back and they'll add a bathroom onto the back or they'll add a kitchen off to the side or they'll tile they just make it their own and that that's what gives me joy is that they take what was given to them and they then they run with it and that's so cool so this was another family the same thing um I'm going to tell you the truth. When Marcel told me where this house was located or where this property was located, I said, absolutely not. I am not building there. Um, it was out in the boonies. It took about a good 45 minutes to an hour to drive there. And no, no running water, no electricity out there. And so I was like, I, I'm not going out there. <laughs> it's, just, it's not going to happen. But I said, we'll go. You know, we had time the one day and we went out there. So we get out there, and here's this guy and his wife and his kids, and they're just plugging away at this property. As you can see on the picture to the here, step back so these people can see. Uh, the picture to the uh, left, um, their their property is just a giant rock. That's all it is. And when I get out there, there what they do is they'll start a really hot fire on top of that rock, and when it gets really really hot, they'll just take sledgehammers and just beat it and beat it, and it'll just shatter. And so he had to bring that rock down 
about a foot to a foot and a half to make it level. And, and I went out there, and he is just, I mean, he didn't know that we were coming that day, and he's just out there plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And I'm like, how are you doing this? You know, just seeing his determination to better his family, I knew I had to partner with him. I knew that we had to find a church to build a house for him. So I said to him, I said, listen, I have a, gr- a group that's coming in a couple months. If you can have it done, we'll build you a house. He goes, no problem. I'll have it done. He called me three weeks later, and he had it done. He's like, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Let's do this. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. The team's not coming yet. So you can see the rock, that walk, the rock wall on the right picture. Those, that was just like a big rock down, and, or the, the big rock right there. You can see it. It kind of went down. Well, he, the rocks that he broke off, they went and concreted them up. He made an awesome rock wall, and we built him a house. So I just want to say, for those of you who don't believe in taking the Bible literally, it says the wise man built his house on a rock, and his whole entire property is built on the rock, okay? That thing is not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's solid. It's solid. You probably remember this family. It's your guys' family you guys built for last year. I, I can't tell you how many times I have told this story over the last two years, um, Thank you for being part of the miracle. <laughs> Truly an amazing story. I don't know how many churches, after hearing what happened, and even I, you know, when, for, for some of you may not know, so I'll go ahead and just tell a quick little background, you know. Four weeks before your team was supposed to come and build this, this house, her husband was shot and killed. And... Uh, I don't know too many teams that would have heard that information and still been willing to come and, and build a house. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, on the, on the property. Yeah, not somewhere else. Like where he was shot was a street that we were in painting. And, uh, you know, when I heard that, when the pastor called and told us what happened, I was, even, I was the first one to think, you know, I don't think we can do this. You know, is this safe? Can I take a bunch of you know, Americans to this, this area, this neighborhood, is this even safe for us to be in? And, uh, you know, just finding out that it was a mistake. Her husband was, it was a case of uh, mistaken identity, yeah. Uh, and it was actually the brother they were trying to kill, and they killed the wrong brother. I mean, it was just like, oh, my word. This is stuff that movies are made of. But this is like real life in, in Mexico. Um. We've been telling our teams, you know, yes, this is an extreme example of what happens in Mexico, but this isn't uncommon. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the, m- the most dangerous cities in the world. Heather said the top five, I say the top three. So you guys can get, you take your pick. It depends on who you Google. <laughs> so uh, after you guys left, there was, we went back and just visited her before we came back in last January. And she shared with me just miracle after miracle after miracle that has happened in her life since you guys left. And I just wanted to share a few of those things with you guys just to spur you on, let you know how, how much of a difference that you guys made. The first thing that happened was the church, when they found out about what was happening, they committed to financially supporting her and her kids because she didn't have a job. Her husband was the breadwinner. And uh, so they, they committed to supporting her family at $100 per week. Um, that's a lot of money in Mexico, uh, when most people probably 
some families probably don't make that a month. That's a penny upon. Most people make about $35 per day. And that's a really good job in Mexico. Really good job in Mexico. Um, something else that happened was after her family were, were not Christians uh, before all this took place. And after this happened, seeing the church and how they stepped up, the local church, and then seeing how you guys, who knew nothing of this lady, would come from the United States 2,000 miles away and build her a, a house, that spoke so much to her family. Since then, they've been going to church. They've come to know Christ. And, the church, and her family has grown uh, in, in the body of Christ because of that. Um, and she contributes that to you guys and seeing and her family seeing how you guys came down, never knew anything about them, and, and were willing to help, which was amazing. Something else that happened was uh, she didn't have the money to pay for the funeral arrangements, the cemetery plot. And the weeks that went on after his death, people would just come up to her at home and just give her money. And she said enough money came in through people she didn't even know to be able to pay for all the funeral arrangements and to pay for the cemetery plot. That was a miracle. Another miracle uh, was one day her daughter, you can see her to the left right there, came home one day and said that she needed 1,000 pesos by the next day to buy school books for the next year. And 1,000 pesos is about 50 bucks, which... To us, is like that's not not a big deal, you know, not a big deal. We probably have that in our wallet right now, uh, but for her, it could have been a million dollars. It didn't matter; she didn't have it, and she said she actively told her daughter, "You know, we don't have that money, but you also know that God knows we don't have that money. So let's pray." She said that her and her daughter got down on their knees and they actively started praying that the Lord would move in this situation. As they're praying, she, they heard a knock at the door. And when they opened the door, there was a guy standing there she had never met before. And she, uh, the guy said to her, your husband did some body work on my car years ago. And I just found out about what happened to your husband. And I just wanted to come by and, and just tell you that I'm sorry and just give you this. And so he gave her an envelope and said, I know this isn't going to take away the pain. I hope it helps in some way. And he turned around and walked away. Shut the door, opened the envelope. It's the exact thousand pesos that they were praying for. I mean, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. So this family is doing well. I, I hope that we can set a time that when you guys come back that we can go and visit her. You guys can see her for yourself and talk to her. But again, she just wanted me to tell you guys, thank you uh, you changed her life. I mean, you guys were there in a very dark and depressing time of her life, and you ministered her to her during that time. So um, you can go to the next slide. And uh, how have we partnered with minister ministries in Tijuana over the last six and a half years? So we partner with orphanages when the teams come down. Um, we like to partner with a specific type of orphanage called a Casa Hogar. And Casa Hogar is, they have the mentality that they want the orphanage family to be very family oriented. So they don't usually have more than 25 kids at a time so that there can be normal rules and chores and everything existing that would happen in a normal family unit. So the four that we generally partner with are the refuge, Casa Hogar Infantil, Casa Hogar Sayon, and Casa Hogar Refugio. We can go to the next one. We also go visit rehabilitation centers for men and women. Um, 
I really just want to encourage you guys, specifically those who are coming on the next team, to pray about how God wants you to minister when you come to Tijuana, because we had some really far-ranging effects um, from two particular teams that came back-to-back in the spring, and I just want to share that with you. Um, One of the women in, I believe they came in March, she had contacted me saying that she wanted to teach the freedom course at the women's rehab, and I was like, oh man, the freedom course is like a 12-week course. We don't have time for that. You have two hours. And so (laughs) she ordered the Freedom Course books in Spanish and taught for two hours with a translator. And they, a lot of women came to Christ that day and were baptized. And then after, the following week after they were there, our home church, Clear Lake, came. And a girl that grew up in the church her whole entire life, um, her family, their elders, she, the Lord spoke to her heart and told her to share her testimony And her testimony, nobody knew. And so it was a big thing for her to obey because she had been living a life of sin in secret and God had redeemed her from that also in secret because nobody knew. And she shared her testimony at the women's rehab. And you know, for the whole entire rest of the summer, women were coming and giving their life to Christ when the other teams were visiting saying, you know, when they taught the freedom course, that really, that really spoke to me. Or when Michaela gave her testimony. It really just changed my heart, and I want to give my heart to Jesus. All summer long, they were referring back to those two incidences. So so pray about how God wants you to minister in Tijuana because it's going to have amazing long-term effects. Next one. We also do street ministry. We usually go down to the canal and feed the homeless and um, give them a word. And we also partner with feeding kitchens. Um, Two of these feeding kitchens we actually built, Candelaria's Feeding Kitchen and Pastor Avellino's Feeding Kitchen. And then we also uh, partner with a feeding kitchen called Zone Red Ministry, which is downtown. It's two blocks off of the Red District. And they feed the homeless uh, three times a week on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Um, And they just have an amazing heart for the homeless. So this is uh, Pastor Avellino's feeding kitchen. Uh, This is a picture of everything that has been built by teams over the last two years. Uh, When we first went out there, and Pastor Aaron can attest to this, there was nothing. It was just a flat piece of dirt. And so everything you see right here is a miracle of God. Uh, The move team came, and they built the first story of the largest building there, just the first story of that. That's where the actual feeding kitchen is located. There's a, there's a little kitchen in the one corner. And then I had a team that came a few months after them, and they added on the second story. Up there is where they have their women's Bible study, men's Bible study. They also have um, meetings with mothers who just need help. And they've, you know, there's a lot of families that have broken homes. And so they've never been taught how to be a parent. And so they do a lot of that, just instructing uh, young parents, you know, how how to treat your children, how to raise your children in a godly home. And so they have a lot of meetings like that upstairs. There's also a living space now and a bathroom. Um, In Mexico, if you don't actively reside on your property, it will become someone else's. And so someone has to be there 24-7 or people will move in on them. So that's why upstairs there's also a living quarters um, up there by Erica and uh, Leandro and we'll share about them here in a little bit. I had another team that came this year, and a dream of theirs was they wanted a 
uh, men and women's shower house. And so the, the house or the little room to the right there is a shower house. So we had a, a group of teenagers come and build that. Super cool. The outside's all done, but we have a team that's going to come this spring, uh, and they're going to finish the inside. I also had a team that came the end of, well, right before we came back to Iowa, and they built a medical office to the left. Uh, Pastor Mireya and Erica went to school years ago. They felt like the Lord told them to go to school so that they could minister to the physical needs of people in their neighborhood and at the same time to their spiritual needs to know Christ. Uh, but that dream has never really came true. They've never had a spot to do that. And uh, that was something that they mentioned to us a few years ago. And we had a team call us and said, hey, we want to do a special project. We want to do something that other teams may not have the ability to do. And so they came, and within a day, uh, probably within 10 hours, they built that. And uh, they came in on a Thursday night. They built all day uh, Friday. They finished up Saturday morning. They flew out Saturday night. It was a fast turnaround team, super cool. I'm so glad they came. Um, but God is doing so much out at that feeding kitchen. Every Saturday, they um, have a kids program. Between 75 and 100 kids come every Saturday that they're ministering to. It's just amazing. So um, as missionaries, we love to share testimonies. Um, we're going to share Leandro, or I'm going to share Leandro and Erica's testimony, and it's really long. So I am also going to read it. Um, but I just want you to think about, as you listen to this testimony, how, how our sacrifices can change the trajectory for somebody in our life. You know, God places our neighbors in our life for a reason, whether that's our physical neighbors next to our house or those that we have in our jobs. I mean, they're there for a reason. God puts you in that circle for a reason. And it's, it's our job to shine the light of Jesus wherever the Lord has, has put us. So, um, you know, we were talking about Pastor Avelino and Morea, and Morea is over here on the right, and then next to her is Erica. Um, they started their ministry by feeding people in the community. And then over the years, an American missionary discipled them, and... They received some ministry and theology training in Mexico. In fact, they're one of the few pastors we know that have had quite a bit of theology training. They've pastored a church on the east side of Tijuana for more than 20 years. And Marcial, our head of construction, he went and built their church many, many years ago with another ministry. Um, they've been a joy to work with. We absolutely love them. Uh, and we've enjoyed getting to know them over the past few years. They're some of the most humble pastors that we know of in Tijuana, and God's been moving in their life. So today we just kind of want to highlight how Pastor Avelino and Maria changed someone else's life. Um, that would be Erica and Leandro. So in 2001, Erica and Leandro were living in a really small two-bedroom house with her two children. They were borrowing the home from a family friend, and that year... With the spring rains, the house was completely destroyed in a mudslide. Erica's mother had been attending Pastor Avellino's church, and they were good friends. Her mother was good friends with Pastor's wife. Pastora Morea heard about the mudslide and, uh, from Erica's mother, and she wanted to meet Erica. So that Sunday after church, the mother took Morea out to meet Erica for the first time at the site. 
After hearing of the hardships that the family had faced and seeing the destruction of the house, uh, Maria told Erica that she and her family were going to come live with them. At first, Erica said no, but Maria insisted and wouldn't take no for an answer. So not only did Erica and her children go to stay with Pastor Avellino and Maria, but the pastors also gave up their bedroom and bed for the new family. The pastors chose to sleep in the loft. Is there a picture of that? Yes. There's the loft. That's their actual house. Yeah, sure. So um, years ago, before uh, we used to add the second story to the Puente house, which you know most of us are pretty tall. We want to be able to sit, uh, stand next to the wall. You kind of have to lean over like this. But in the center, you can stand up. Originally, that's not how the Puente House was designed. The Puente House was designed there was like a little loft area. That's only about 30 to 33 inches, that loft area. And so when Heather tells you that they gave up their bedroom, they literally gave up one of those rooms to the side, and they moved upstairs into that loft. And that, when she's talking about that, so Erica and her children got the one room and they moved up. This is the actual picture of the inside of their house now. They went and added some, some bars there. And so there's a little bit more privacy, but that's the actual loft that she's uh, talking about right now. So Erica was so moved and overcome by the hospitality of Pastor Abelino and Maria that that very night she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Yes. Now, Erica's husband, Leandro, was not as quick to give in as she was. Um, he refused to stay at Pastor's house and willingly chose to stay at the destroyed house. Um, he later admitted it was because he was ashamed. He was ashamed that he didn't have a job and that he couldn't take care of his family. However, after four nights of sleeping in the, the destroyed house, the owner of the property came and told him he couldn't stay there. The house wasn't livable. And Leandro had to humble himself and reluctantly rejoined his family at Pastor Avellino's. Now, for the first four months that he lived in the pastor's house, he didn't speak or eat with the pastor and his wife. Leandro was a devout Catholic, and he wanted absolutely nothing to do with this Pentecostal Christian pastor. Um, Erica said during that time, Pastor Maria never pushed Jesus onto him, but they only used their actions to show the love of Christ. After four months, Leandro finally came to know Christ. Erica and Leandro lived in the pastor's house a total of two years. And during this time, Maria encountered another family in great need. They didn't have a place to live either. So while pastor was out working, Maria and Erica built a small room on the back of the house. Now, when pastor came home that night from work, he headed up the stairs to his loft, but his wife told him, that's not your room anymore. <laughs> So she took him back to the new room that they had made, and he said that they made the whole entire roof out of clear plastic so that when he looked up, he could see all the stars in the sky. So soon after that, Pastor Avellino started dropping some hints. Uh, I think it's time for you guys to move out. And so Eric and Leandro found their own property, and they did finally move out in 2004. Now, if we fast forward, in 2013, a ministry came down, and they built them a house on this property. Life was finally looking up for Erica and Leandro. However, in 2017, tragedy struck again in their new home. One night when Erica and her husband were in the house, the dogs began to go crazy outside. Leandro opened the door to look outside and a man pulled a gun and shot him right in the face. 
The bullet entered his chin, ricocheted off his jawbone, went through his throat, and lodged in his collarbone. They rushed him to the hospital, um, where he spent a week in intensive care. They finally allowed the friends and family to visit him, uh, but Leandro couldn't speak. The doctor said he would most likely never speak again and very well would be breathing through a tube the rest of his life. So to communicate, Leandro was writing everything down on a piece of paper. Pastor Avellino and Maria stepped in once again and told Leandro, don't worry about your family. You guys are moving back in with us. And after only a week in the hospital, they sent Leandro home. Over the next four months, he was bedridden. The church was called to pray for the miraculous healing of Leandro. So Erica and Maria had to attend to all of his needs. Every day, they had to remove a breathing tube, clean it, and replace it before he suffocated. The doctor said that most likely he'd be breathing through a tube the rest of his life. But God did a miracle in Leandro's life, and after eight months, they were able to remove the tube permanently. This is obviously attributed to the prayer of the saints and another miracle of the healing power of Jesus Christ. So today, Leandro is um, not only a believer, but he's one of the cornerstones in the church. Pastor Avellino has repeatedly say, said that he can call Leandro for anything and he'll take care of it. Erica oversees their children's program at the church and at the feeding kitchen. In May of 2021, Move came and built a new feeding kitchen for the church. And Erica and Leandro volunteered to move out of their house and onto the, the feeding kitchen property so it could be protected at night. But in December of 2021, a single mother from far south in Mexico just showed up one day um, with her kids. She was being abused, and so her family had sent them to Pastor Avellino for help. But when she showed up at the feeding kitchen, no one knew she was coming. She was just there with her kids. Um, and so Erica told this mother's story, and her eyes were welling up with tears. And... I thought she was crying because this mother's story was reminding her of her own personal story. But with tears rolling down her face, Erica said, to be honest, I didn't want to help her. I just wanted her to go away. How many of us have been there? You know, like it is inconvenient to help you. I don't want to help you right now, but God has put you in my path. So Erica wasn't crying because of the situation of the mother. She was crying because of the condition of her own heart. You know, she was broken and she was ashamed of her own feelings. And she said, right after I thought these things, I felt the Lord say to me, where were you when I found you? Erica knew that the Lord wanted her to help this woman. She said it was her turn to do as Avellino and Maria had done in her life so many years ago. She talked with Pastor Avellino and Maria and they all agreed that this mom and her family would move into the apartment above the feeding kitchen. Um, Leandro and Erica volunteered to move out of the feeding kitchen and into this house outside. That's it. Um, when Erica was telling this story, she could obviously th see the shock and possibly the horror that was on my face. And she stopped what she was saying and she smiled and said, don't worry about me. It's my turn to give back. That house on the screen is the shack that they moved into. She doesn't live there because she has to, but she does it to give back. You know, these stories are more normal than not for the life of many in Tijuana. 
you know, Tijuana is a city where 45% of the people live in poverty, more poverty than most Americans can imagine. But we consistently see the people giving more than we've ever seen anyone else give. Um, it's really humbling and a great honor to be able to work for people like this on a regular basis. And it's super humbling to see the level of sacrificial giving out of people that have so little. There's a saying in Spanish, um, hoy para ti y mañana para mí. For you today, but tomorrow for me. Um, the basic meaning is you never know when you yourself might need the help. So it's better to be kind and generous to others now. Um, I can't tell you how many times I am humbled uh, just by meeting people like this, just hearing their stories. Uh, so many times, you know, we'll come back to the States and, and people will come up to us and say, oh, you're sacrificed to go to the mission field. And and uh, it's not that much of a sacrifice uh, because, number one, you're doing what God's called you to do. And, and number two, we're still blessed. We're still blessed because we are Americans, because God has put us in a situation where he has blessed us so that we can bless others. And uh, what, what humbles me is to go and, and meet these families, and God hasn't put them in a, in a situation of being blessed, but yet they bless, and yet they, they help others. Um, they give above and beyond their means. Um, I've seen it time and time again, and uh, it makes me want to become better. It makes me want to be a better Christian. It makes me want to be a better father. It makes me want to be a better husband uh, to see other husbands do what they do and see Leandro and how he sacrifices. You know, he gets off of work and he instantly goes to the church and starts working um, so that the church will be better. Uh, he moved out of his own house to move into this shack so he could watch the property at the feeding kitchen because he knew that if he didn't, someone else is going to come in and take what was blessed, what was given to the church. Um, so it's amazing the stories that we hear on a regular basis. So to end up, we just want to say again, thank you so much for coming. Um, I know you guys are having a meeting after church. I hope if you guys haven't come to Mexico before or if you have come before, please go to that meeting, get more information. Uh, I hope you guys will all come. I, I heard we have like 23 people show up. If we have to rent more vans for more people to come, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do whatever it takes because I want you guys to see, you know, it's one thing to look at pictures. It's one thing to hear stories. It's one thing to experience it yourself, uh, to see it, to smell it, to, to live it yourself. It's a completely different uh, feeling. Um, and to know what God is doing there is, is through you guys. Uh, some of you, uh, I understand, um, maybe because of jobs or just uh, health reasons, you know, you can't go physically, but through your giving, you guys are still a part of that. Uh, the house that you guys built a couple years ago, two years ago now, um, you people who have given toward that, you're a part of that. Uh, there's people who go, and there's people who go through their money. And so, I, again, I just want to say thank you for supporting the house build. And, again, I want to say thank you for supporting our family. Uh, amazing. We, we couldn't be there. We are 100% donor-funded. Uh, all the money that comes in through Puente, all the money that comes in as you build the house or stay at Puente, that's not how we raise our money. That's not how we stay on the field. We, are, we stay on the field based upon you guys as a church, as an individual, donating to us. And you have been doing that, and so we, again, are just so blessed and thankful for all of you. Uh, before I hand it back over...
I want to say out on our desk, our table out there, we have a couple different prayer cards. Some of you may want to put the, the paper copy in your Bible to be praying for us, and some of you might want to grab a magnet. Uh, we did not buy these just to set on our table. We bought these to put on your refrigerator. So please pick one up, put it on your refrigerator, walk by it, say a simple prayer, and uh, that, that's, that's what we need. Um, it, there's a spiritual battle going on everywhere, um, including Tijuana, Mexico. You know, the Lord does not like what we're doing. He doesn't like what... The Lord, oh, the Lord, Lord loves what we're doing. <laughs> Satan does not like what we're doing for the Lord. Okay, hand it back over. <laughs> the Lord loves what we're doing. Satan hates what we're doing. And uh, we need your guys' prayer. We need your prayer covering. Uh, it, it's, it's a real thing that Satan hates us hates we're doing because the time is drawing near uh we got to get about it we got to get about it in our own neighborhoods here uh overseas we got to get about it um because he's getting angry he's getting angry at what we're doing with the you know you look at where the world's at right now it's ugly but uh the last church we were in you know they had a sign that said we are the the light and the salt of the earth and, you know, the darker it gets, the brighter we need to get. And the brighter we automatically get when it gets darker. You know, it's amazing. So uh, you guys are doing your part here in Des Moines, and you're also doing your part uh, in Tijuana, Mexico. So thank you very much. I remember the first time I met this guy. It was quite an introduction. He was, he was speaking at our church in Waterloo on a Wednesday night. Walked in the door after a couple-hour drive, and I looked at him. The first thing out of my mouth was, hey, man, do you want pizza? <laughs> and uh, uh, we've, been, we've been really good friends ever since. We've been to Cambodia together and got, got to have some real joyous times together. And um, I... I think about the relationship that a lot of you in this church has developed with this family as well. And so you know what they mean to us. And so something, you guys know the drill on this. Listen, we already support them on a monthly basis. Um, so I, I'm not going to get into that an offering for them is going to help them on a monthly basis because we know it doesn't. That's why we support them monthly. But something that I want to emphasize now more than ever is that we need to pray for them. Um, the mission field can be lonely. Um, could you only imagine bringing in a different church group week after week after week and being running around 80, 90 hours a week? Because that's what they do as a family. And so I think one of the most important things we could do today is ask for anyone who is on the last team what we're going to do is we're going to ask them to come back up here and we're just going to surround them in prayer. And so if you were on the last team that went to Tijuana, um, if you could come up and we're going to surround them in prayer and pray over them. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually ask my uh, father 